Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 215, Creativity Over Consumerism with Miranda Anderson. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are bringing you an interview that is so close to my heart. I loved every single second of it with Miranda Anderson from Live Free Miranda, Live Free Creative. Yeah, it's just so beautiful. Definitely a different perspective than I think we've ever highlighted on this show before. And I think that's reflective of who Miranda is and the unique perspective Mm -hmm. that she does bring. But really, really looking forward to sharing this with you all. Yeah. Creativity is something we talk about a lot, but we've never dove into it like we did in this episode. And it's not just like we kind of dived into dove into both sides of creativity. So like creativity from as a creative person, and then also creativity, even if you don't consider yourself very creative, but how to stretch that muscle that we all have and we kind of all desire through frugality. So it's, I think everybody should listen to this episode. But before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by our 2022 Frugal Living Summit. It's summertime in the summit. Uh, So if you were not with us last year, um, we did a virtual summit last year and we were doing another one this year. The theme for this year is the Spending Symposium. It is a free virtual four-day event, June 27th through 30th. We'll be sharing 20, yes, two zero, Never before heard interviews with experts diving deep into why we spend impulsively, how to stop, how to spend our money better. So if you want help controlling your impulsive spending, feeling less guilt about spending in your budget or spending wisely on investments, then registration for the Spending Symposium is now open. And did I mention completely free? (laughs) So, and today through Sunday, we're actually offering an early bird pricing on the Spending Mastery Bundle, which you will be able to see after you register. And it includes all summit recordings and over 16 workbooks, ebooks, courses, et cetera, from our expert speakers. So, head to frugallivingsummit.com to get your free ticket. And do not miss out on this amazing early bird deal on the Spending Mastery Bundle. So excited for this. Oh my gosh. It's turning into our annual summer virtual party where we kind of make it a little bit productive too. And it's free. Yeah, it is it is virtual summer camp for free. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. That'll be next year. Summer camp. Oh my gosh. Summer camp theme. Yes. I know. If you want a few other episodes to queue up after this one that are kind of in the same vein then definitely queue up episode 118, which is tips for creating a capsule wardrobe. Miranda talks a little bit about that in the episode. And then also episode 156, how to avoid impulse spending, because I think you're going to want to listen to both of those after you hear this episode. Let's get into it. 
Miranda, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we are thrilled to have you because we love interviews. It's our favorite. And we're just going to jump right in. You've got so much to share with us and perspective. And so let's get to it. Miranda, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, and how you then decided to do a 12-month no shopping challenge? Sure. So I am Miranda Anderson. I'm a mom of three. My kids are now almost 13, almost 11, and eight. I have one lovely husband, two dogs, two cats, six chickens. I now live in Richmond, Virginia. But when we did the shopping challenge back in 2017, we were living in Austin, Texas. And I feel like maybe like a lot of your listeners who get, you know, find their way to this podcast, maybe recognize at some point that they're running on a treadmill that doesn't seem to ever shut off. I was, you know, a young mom. I had a great job. My husband had a good job. We had just gotten out of school and bought a big house with a big yard and felt like we were finally like doing it, checking all those boxes for like adulthood and success. And, and I got a minivan and I now had like rooms that I didn't have enough furniture for. And I was doing all the things that I was supposed to do in order to feel fulfilled, content, successful, happy, joyful. And while I felt those things sometimes, and you know, a lot of the time they didn't stem from what, from my circumstances, they didn't stem from my house, from my shoes, from my closet, they stemmed from experiences and from my family and from these small moments. And yet most of my time and energy and, and money was spent on things meant to make my life better. And I had kind of this aha moment. I have been a, um, I've been online for a long time. I was an OG blogger. I started a blog in 2007. It was a hobby for many years. And around a couple years before our no shopping challenge, I had converted my blog into my job and quit my other full-time job. And so I was blogging full-time and the way that I was making money was through sponsorships. Ironically, one of the third-party sponsors that I had was for an organization store. And my brief was to, I was going to do a whole blog post about how to organize my kitchen cabinets. And so I had a budget of $500 to go to this store and buy baskets and bins and caddies and everything you can imagine. And now there's this really popular Netflix show, right? Where they come out with all the stuff. So that was me 10 years ago, right? Come out with all the stuff. (laughs) And I got into my kitchen and I started pulling things out of my kitchen cabinets and realized I had just spent all of this money and brought these bags of things into my home in order to organize the stuff that I didn't even remember that I had that was buried in these kitchen cabinets, just clutter, random junk, mail, stuff that I like party supplies that I had bought for a party that I hadn't yet hosted. And so they were yet unused, even though it had been over a year, just, I had all this stuff and yet I was just adding to it. And I, it was like the light switch turned on and I recognized that the habits were not aligned with my values and that I was, that I was just, that that there wasn't really a purpose to the kind of keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Pinterest board. And so that was kind of my moment of, I don't think that I want to keep doing this. This isn't working. What else could we do? And um, I had just watched a documentary about minimalism. And one of the things that I, well, I found the whole thing highly uh, unrelatable. One of the pieces that I really liked was to use what you had, just use the things that you already have. And so I uh, discussed with my husband, this idea, using the things that we already had and not adding to it for the next year. It was January. So it was convenient timing to think like, Oh, new year's resolution. And he was on board. So we embarked on our challenge. What an amazing timeline and journey. I mean, first of all, wow to your family rundown. And I love that you specify just one husband in that whole mess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a very important thing for me to hear. Yeah, but one's also, enough. <laughs> this sobering image that I feel I can relate to of going out and getting all of the things 
bringing them back into your home. Like, I feel like I can picture you with the excitement. And I think I hear so many people say, oh, wouldn't it just be so great to have tons of money to just go and get all the pretty containers? And you actually had it. You did it. You had $500 to spend, which would be a lot of people's dream to go do that. And then you come back with bags and bags and bags. Just the image feels seared into my mind right now. And then Mm -hmm. that realization, like I'm with you in that aha moment of, I just brought stuff to manage stuff, to keep cleaning my stuff and doing stuff with my stuff. (laughs) Holy smokes. But then what I think is really interesting about your story, Miranda, is how that realization led you to a 12-month no shopping challenge. I feel like some people could realize that and be like, huh, isn't that funny? I bought stuff to manage my stuff. And then they move on. But you you didn't even go to a one-month challenge. You did the whole 12-month thing. So how did... How did that come about? How did you get like your dog, six cats, one husband, four children on board with this? <laughs> yeah. So at the time, it was just one dog along with the children um, and the husband. Uh, so then the chickens have always, the chickens are on board for anything, my anytime. Bad. They're, bad. So <laughs> they're so chill. They're savages, but they're chill. <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny because I don't know that I, I ever even considered that like doing something shorter than a year. And it was probably the hype of being close to the beginning of the year. If I'm being totally honest, like I, I've never really thought like, why didn't we do one month or, or three months? Like I, I think I was kind of looking for, as I always am, I'm, I'm always fairly goal oriented. And I like the idea of progress and like, I like a project. I like thinking like, what am I going to be tackling this year? What am I looking forward to? So I think because of timing, that's what lent to this idea of a one year challenge because it just made sense. It was January. Let's do this for a year. I think, um, the other thing is that that's a model that I've seen in a lot of books and, you know, like I love um, the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin. That's, you know, this one year challenge I had seen other people do, you know, challenges of different sorts for a year, leaving that, you know, turning off their phones for a year or, or not using the internet for a year or living, in an RV for a year, you know, so it just kind of made sense. I guess I was lucky that my husband was, I mean, at the time he was home a lot less. He was working a ton at his job. And so I did most of the shopping anyway. So he was like, great. You don't want to shop for a year. Sounds good to me. I mean, I think to him, it was just like, yeah, like, how could I say no to this? My kids were young enough as well that they didn't have, like we sat him down and had a family conversation about it. I remember saying when you like for, for a while, you know, until next January, until after Christmas next year, we're not going to buy any new toys when we go to the store and we're just going to use the ones that we already have. So if you want a toy and we aren't going to buy a new one, can you think of anything that you could do? And my, you know, at the time, five-year-old was like, well, we could make a toy. I'm like, yeah, we totally could make a toy. These are my kids that we take them on hikes and they're like playing with rocks and sticks anyway, you know? So I'm like, yeah, we could totally make a toy. And also I, I'm a crafter. I had been a DIY blogger. And so I have a craft room full of stuff and we, you know, on odd days we'd go in and just pull out scraps and make stuff anyway. So making things was not an unusual idea. So it didn't feel like we were on an Island. It was like, well, we have a house full of stuff. I think the other thing too, was that I was, I had just organized these cabinets and made them very beautiful with my $500 worth of containers. And I was super conscious of how many things I had in the walls of my house that I hadn't even been thinking about. We had lived in that house at that point for about three years and, um, three and a half years, maybe. And I had kitchen cabinets full of things. I had a pantry full of things. I had, um, a home office full of stuff. My kids' closets were full of stuff. My own closet was full of stuff. I had a craft room full of stuff. We had a garage that we didn't park our car in, as many people can relate to. So I think I did a quick walkthrough and was like, what am I buying anyway? Like, what are the things that I'm continually adding to our lives on like a weekly basis, a target run here or a quick online click of the mouse there? Like, what, what is this? Where is it all going and why do I need it? And so I think it was different than if we really like had nothing or the bare minimum and was like, Oh, we're not going to buy any more, but we actually don't have any clothes to wear. Like we, we had plenty as I assume most people, I don't know, most people probably do right. Like have enough. 
And Mm -hmm. it's just about deciding that what you have is enough rather than deciding that it isn't. Yeah. I, and the whole time you're like talking, I'm thinking of the show that you mentioned earlier where they're just organizing all the stuff and how I thought I was going to love that show. And it only gave me anxiety. Like, why are you holding on to it? Why do you need to organize it and just shuffle it around? It's like when you consolidate debts and it's like you think you're doing something, but you're you're you still have the same amount of debt. You haven't done anything to it except put it in one payment, which for some people makes sense. But like, no, it's it just that show gave me so much anxiety. It's Yeah, it's really <laughs> so, different to like make yeah. things pretty for a while cuz right like once you start yeah. using things then they probably aren't pretty anymore it's kind of like the beginning of a of a dinner buffet at like an all you can eat restaurant like it looks really good until one person passes through that line yes. <laughs> and <laughs> after that it's over right but the difference between that and actually digging in and deciding what your values are what matters most to you how you want to spend your time money and energy and then aligning the choices that you make with those things And for us, it started with a pause with this. We believe that we have enough. We're going to just make that decision straight off. And it was an experiment. I never went into it thinking like, for sure, no matter what, we're not going to buy anything. I said, we're going to try this. We're going to try to not acquire any new things for the year and see what happens. And maybe we'll go six months and realize that it doesn't work, you know, that we do absolutely need more clothes or whatever, but we're going to try and see. And I was overwhelmed by how simple it became. Once I got through the initial discomfort of walking into a store and then walking out with just grocery, like just like food and like, you know, go buy groceries at Target. You always come home with a couple things from the dollar spot and like that cute mug that was on the end cap. And, you know, just coming home with just like milk and eggs and grapes. I was like, this feels a little weird that I didn't even browse to see what else I might want. And then it pretty soon became my norm. And it was so much easier than I expected that it would be. Yeah. It it does take that like decision-making process out of the equation because you can make your meal plan, you can make your list, but when you go in there and you're just browsing in quotations, like it always could be that you end up bringing something home impulsively. But when you're doing some kind of challenge, which is why we love challenges, and you make the decision to say no to everything or to the things you've already decided on saying no to, it takes that question out so that you don't even are not even tempted to go browse. It's not even an option to look at what you could buy, which really cuts down on like the decision fatigue because we that's when we're tired from making all the decisions is when we make the bad ones. Oh, really? So I that's what I love about the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. So for your challenge specifically, what did it entail? Like I, I heard you said you bought groceries. What were kind of some of the specific rules for you? Yeah. So our, our guidelines were that we weren't going to acquire non-consumable goods. And so on our kind of outline list that looked like clothes, shoes, furniture, technology, books, toys, recreational equipment, decorations, and anything that wouldn't be used up to completion. We also put like a little caveat in there for like body lotions and perfume and makeup and things like that, that are technically consumable items. But if I had them already that I, that weren't used up, then I had to use them up before I bought new ones just to not like, for me, it was an exercise in, if I feel like shopping, am I going to like go, you know, kind of create a loophole into the non-consumables. And so I just said, I'm just going to blanket. If I have enough shampoo you know, I'm not going to buy new shampoo until I'm like a couple days out from until I'm putting water in the bottle type of thing, you know, but we could buy food. Of course. Um, we bought like printer paper when the printer ran out of paper and ink, which it, it did, of course, because printers always run out of ink right when you need them replacing light bulbs, replacing like, you know, filters for, um, for the, for the car and for the house, basic maintenance stuff. And then when something broke, like if something broke, we could replace it. And also 
because we lived in Texas, we had kind of a unique situation where it's a fairly seasonless wardrobe, as I imagine it is where you all live in Florida, where you, you know, you toss a light sweater over something in the winter, but other than that, like it's, you can kind of wear similar things year round. And so that was true for us. And for my kids, I knew, you know, when you have young kids, I'm always buying things like a little big anyway. So I thought, you know, they're going to make it through the end of the year with this stuff except for shoes. And so we made also the kind of caveat that when they grew out of a pair of shoes that we could replace them for a similar pair. And sure enough, like within a month or two of beginning the challenge, my middle son grew out of his cowboy boots. We lived in Texas. You cannot be without a pair of cowboy boots. (laughs) And he had walked through them like a hole in the bottom of them. They were his like daily shoes. Those boots were made for walking. Daily shoes. They were his daily shoes. Yes. Okay. Oh man. If you have been to Texas and seen those five-year-olds walking around in their boots, (laughs) I mean, it's the cutest thing ever. So we re-upped him. We got him a pair of bigger cowboy boots so he could continue on. Yes. Man, man, that's amazing. Wow. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, everyone has to decide what they're going to do, what's going to work for them. I mean, this all sounds very realistic and probably what it produced in all of you, just that creativity and problem solving and and all of that. But speaking of, you are definitely obviously quite creative. You've already mentioned a craft room that you had and your kids talking about making their own toys and and then and passionate about creating. How do you balance or blend or f- find the intersection between what could be perceived as like opposing energies of creating and consuming? Like how do you in this no spend, you know, no shop challenge, how did you reconcile the two creating and consuming with like not bringing more in? Yeah. How can I stop being a craft hoarder? That's the question. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I actually, I feel like creation and consumption are really opposing energies and that we spend, we get so much well-being from creation. We are creative beings. Humans are creative and it's something that's innate. Even if you're not a crafter, people like to make things. We like to bring things to life, even ideas or, you know, books, songs, poetry, dinners, like whatever it is, people, most people have something that kind of lights them up. That is a creative endeavor and consumption because of just the ease and the way that we value instantaneous, you know, problem solving and quick 
conveniences, consumption has kind of overridden a lot of what used to be our opportunities for creation. Most homes used to make food and have a garden. And most people, men and women, knew at least some basic mending and sewing and things like that for their for their households. I mean, if we go back a hundred years, people are chopping wood, people are painting and doing glasswork and doing pottery, functional pottery that they are going to then use in their homes. And there's so many like really beautiful artisan crafts that used to be just part of normal life that are now kind of on the fringes. And while I'm not like a self-proclaimed homesteader by any stretch of the imagination, although I do have chickens, they're laying their own eggs being created back there. Um, (laughs) And we do have a garden. I feel like necessity is the, I mean, this is such a common phrase, but necessity is the mother of invention, right? And when you need something and you don't have an automatic, easy, convenient way to acquire it, your mind goes to work in new ways. So rather than a quick trip to Target, let's take the example of my five-year-old. Two weeks after we start our challenge, he says, he remembers this conversation we had and he's like, hey, mom, I want a new toy. And he's got a toy room with plenty of toys. But I think he was just excited because we had talked about making a toy. And he's like, okay, mom, I want a toy today. Let's make a toy. After school, he came home from preschool. We went into the craft room. I said, what do you want to make? And he said, I want to make a car. So we found some clay. It was like air dry clay, but you could have achieved the same result with Play-Doh or something. It just wouldn't have lasted as long. And we looked up pictures of cars and he, you know, his cute little five-year-old hands molded his little car. And we used toothpicks to drill like the hole where you'd put the wheels on. And we spent an hour creating together in a really like low stakes environment because he was five and he wanted something for himself to play with. This wasn't going on display. I wasn't trying to sell it on Etsy. It was just a fun interaction with my son. And I recognized that two weeks before, if we hadn't made this challenge, that if my son had asked for a car, I probably would have said, oh, let's, you know, the next time we're at Target, let's grab a Hot Wheels. You know, it's like $2. It's not like the expense is the problem. The problem is the lack of opportunity to be creative together, the lack of opportunity, like we're starving ourselves of these possibilities of exercising our creativity in really interesting ways. And it was really fun throughout the whole challenge. And, you know, this has become a really fundamental part of our family culture that we exercise our creativity. So we like to make decorations for the holidays. I really don't like, I have like one little basket of, multi-use decorations, like a fabric pennant banner that we put up for Easter and we put it up for Christmas and we put it up for birthdays and we put it up for an anniversary. Like it's the same, you know, it's multicolor. We use it, whatever. But for individual holidays, rather than going and accumulating a bunch of new decorations, we use that as an opportunity to make them. And so, you know, for Easter coming up, we'll paint eggs. And, you know, a lot of people do that. We'll make cookies. Well, my daughter, I'm sure she loves drawing. So she'll draw pictures and we'll put those up on the windows. And then after the holiday, we just take it all down. We can recycle it and then we move on. And the next time we have an opportunity to do it again, there's just um, an interesting, like if you, if you take away kind of like what you were talking about, Jen, with the decision fatigue, if you take away the opportunity to quickly solve the problem of needing something new, what you do is open up this entire possibility of if I don't have the quick fix, then how am I going to get there? What do, how do I achieve the same end? And it will always be a creative solution because it's not the easy solution. It's always going to be stretching, using what you have on hand, using things in new and different ways. I love the excitement that you're infusing under the banner of using what we already have. This statement that could feel quite stifling, problematic, a barrier. We won't get what we want. It's going to be frustrating and annoying. And how are we going to do it to 
just pure excitement and joy and giving opportunity and space and margin for our creativity to really come alive and blossom and what that can produce relationally with those in your home and and probably for yourself what it what it draws to life what it brings out what it allows to come to the surface when we don't have the quick fixes immediately available i just i love it the excitement is contagious mm. My, I know I was so excited listening to you because I feel so strongly like with frugality that it is not an inconvenience. It's just not the most convenient. It gives you space to think creatively about how to solve your problem without spending money on it immediately. And like sometimes we do spend money to solve our problems and we do take those quick fixes because it's worth it for our time. But it's not the first immediate response. Like that's all you have to change up is that it's just not the immediate response. And a way you can do that is, of course, through a no spend challenge or no shopping challenge where you kind of train your brain. But like that's not the ultimate goal. Like obviously you went back to shopping and like we are we all buy things. That's great. But like just hearing you, your experience with your son, like like we so often miss those opportunities because we are doing something like unproductive that we think is like more efficient. And so, yeah, it was just like beautiful. My heart was singing. Well, it's it's so interesting. Kids just so naturally do this. They don't have the option, you know, up to a certain age, they don't really have the option to go to the store and buy things. They don't have access to money. They don't have access to transportation. They don't, it's not really part of their worldview, right? So oftentimes you notice kids using things in ways that you've never thought of using them because all they have, it is pure creativity. It's pure ingenuity. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, it, we had an 80 degree day here in Richmond, which was unusual for March. And so I took my eight-year-old out of school for the day and we went and spent the day at the beach and it was so fun. And we got halfway there and I realized, oh, I didn't bring any beach toys. Like the beach toys are in a bin, but because it was March, I hadn't pulled them out yet. They weren't like easily accessible. So I, d- I was like, oh man, I didn't bring the beach toys. That's going to like cut down on how much fun she'll have at the beach. Why was I wrong? Like she doesn't <laughs> care about having like the plastic beach toy that we've collect, you know, that we have in the bin. She used the cans from, we had packed a lunch. She used the cans and the extra like Oreo cookie container. Once the Oreos were gone, that became like a mold for her sandcastle. She was collecting seashells and cigarette butts to decorate her uh-huh. sandcastle, which uh-huh. we had to quickly edgy. like, mm, maybe yeah, not the edgy. cigarettes. Let's leave those ones <laughs> over there. <laughs> um, but just how like, yes, even for kids, like providing them with, you know, really cute plastic sand toys is easy. That's easy. They're, they see a rake and they're like, oh, rake. But that doesn't mean that they can't use the fork or like the the seaweed. You know, those are just like sea branches that work like a rake. You know, it's just fascinating to open our adult selves up to that childlike creativity and that um, imagination of like, if I didn't have any other option, what would I do here? I wouldn't just be frustrated and cry. I would look around and see what I could use in a new way. And I mean, that's when really exciting things start to happen. That's when fun, that's when you make memories because you're not doing it the same way that it's always been done. You're doing it in a memorable way, in a different way. And those are things that our families remember. They're things that we remember. Mm, Yes. So how do you see society thwarting our creativity so that we can start to identify like, what those triggers are? Well, I, um, I teach craft classes on occasion. And one thing that I think is kind of funny at the beginning of my classes, I'll often ask how many people have made something recently and not just thought that they made it because they looked at it on Pinterest and people always kind of laugh because what Instagram and Pinterest and the internet has done has given us a false sense of like satiating that creative endeavor that creative drive by having us see things. We see DIY projects. We see remodel. We see uh, something that we could do and we consume the story of it, but we haven't actually done anything with our hands. We haven't actually made anything. And so I think separating out how much are we actually consuming? And maybe even, you know, if you, if you're curious, 
taking an actual inventory for a week, writing down your consumption versus your creation. How much time are you spending scrolling on social media, searching on Pinterest, looking at what's happening in other people's worlds versus building something tangible in your own space? Um, How much time do you spend reading versus writing or journaling? How much time do you spend searching through cookbooks or again, like on Pinterest for your meal plan versus actually cooking and enjoying the process of creating those meals? I find a lot of joy. And I think most people do in the moment of like through the process of creation in, if you can be mindful in those moments, put your phone aside, you know, turn on some music, light a candle and like actually allow yourself to be in your body during these creative processes. It changes us. So I think, um, just acknowledging like how much are you consuming versus creating and think of that as a balance where you, for your well being, you want your creation the way that you're um, bringing things to life in the world to be greater on a daily basis than your consumption. Speaking of creating together, something that we get to do every single week. Mm. I will consume this till the end of time (laughs) and create more of it. The The Bill of the the Week. for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Miranda, every week we ask one of our listeners or our guest to share with us their bill for the week. And we gave you 20 seconds before we started recording to think of yours. So please (laughs) share with us what you have come up with. So the very first thing that came to mind is going to sound kind of ironic after we've been talking about my no spend challenge and my no shopping challenge. But (laughs) I will I will start by saying that the way that we buy clothes now after our challenge is in what I call capsule shopping. So I shop for clothes twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And during about a week and a half period, I audit all of my kids' clothes and my own clothes. We decide what they have that still fits, what they need for the upcoming season. I do this. My husband manages his own life, but I do it for myself and for the kids. And then we decide what we need, set a budget for it. And we go do all of the shopping for the whole season for six months in about two weeks. What this does, I mean, you can imagine all the benefits for it. I have a really clear budget. I'm able to be really thoughtful because I'm just clothes shopping. Like I can shop secondhand. I know that what we're getting. Anyway, there's lots of benefits. So we just wrapped that up a week ago. So now all of my kids and myself, we've got all of our spring, summer clothes. I don't need to think about, talk about, look at clothes again until September. And the one of the last stores that we were shopping at I had my son and my daughter with me. Normally I do it one-on-one with the kids because they really like the personal focus and we get to, you know, it's a great math exercise for them too because they each get a budget and then as they choose things, we deduct it and it becomes kind of like a math thing. And so at one of these, at one of the, I think it probably was the very last store that we were finishing up a couple things. My daughter and I each got a spring dress and my son got a pair of uh, swim trunks that he needed. And we were just kind of finishing we had five items and they were all 50% off according to the sign on the front of the store. And so I had kind of a rough estimate in my head of like, this is probably going to be around $200 based on what they were. And so the, the girl rings them all up and then she charges me $550 and I paid the bill. I, I mean, I like paid it. And then I, I said, I had this, there's always this awkward, it, I don't, I'm not really awkward around money. I actually am fine talking about money. I like talking about money. I think it's great. And we all should be more open about it as you all know and talk about every single week. And there's something kind of like weird about this moment when you're like, did you make a mistake? Because even though I could pay $550 for these five items, I don't think that I am supposed to, you know? So I said, (laughs) hey, 
she's already bagging it and like ready to send me out the door. And I said, Hey, how could you tell me how we got to that total? And she was like, Oh, sure. Let me look. And like, she was on like this little handheld device and she was having a hard time. So she called the manager over and I'm like, Oh no, now it's turned into like a thing. And I'm the embarrassing lady at the front of the store that like has a problem with my bill. Well, turns out she had rung me up twice for every single item. And so she was charging me double for every single thing on the list. It wasn't one error. It was the whole thing. And the lady, this is so funny because they talked about it kind of quietly behind the counter. They never like acknowledged that to me. She just said, we're going to refund $315 back onto your credit card. And I was like, oh, great. That sounds more reasonable. I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, yeah, that's ends up around what I expected it to be. And that was very funny that they just, if I had not said anything, she just would have sent me out the store having paid double for every single item in the bag. Was, was it user error or was it like computer error? It was like probably a combination of both. I don't know. She had like a handheld scanner. And so I think it just scanned double. Jeez, but then she didn't, gosh. it didn't seem funny to her. I mean, didn't see, she was just like, oh, that'll be like a million dollars for these swim oh, trunks. And I'm like, this seems very <laughs> odd, you know? So yeah, my bill was a, um, a high bill that then was very happily brought down to a reasonable bill an expected bill because I opened my mouth and I'm really glad that I did. <laughs> Uh, those handheld point of sale systems. I've got my own story. I won't get into that. I think I said it in a different episode, (laughs) but something, something where a button gets pushed and starts charging you double. Yeah. Don't, we don't need that. Especially not us who we've got budgets and we know how much we're spending on stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, how did I so vastly underestimate what's happening here? Like, these swim trunks are yeah, lined in crazy. gold. Well, so, well done. We uh, got it figured sticking out. up for yourself and yeah. not paying more than you needed to. <laughs> yeah, that is hard. I always internalize. I was like, oh, I guess I must have made a mistake with how they were priced. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking and, hmm, yeah. the stickers were like maybe the they didn't take the signage down out front or something. You know, so you have that moment. Yeah. Um, I'll examine but, the receipt in the privacy of my own my, home my because I'm fan. too exposed right now. It was on the spot. Yeah. Got it taken care of and finished up done and dusted. Now I don't think about clothes shopping Mm. again for another six I love that embedded tip. That is perfect. Don't have to take up mental space throughout the year. It is the best. Well, if you all who are listening, you've got a bill, whether it's a regular size bill or a double sized bill or a bill that you're, it's too much bill, <laughs> you need it to be less bill, <laughs> visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. We're here for it. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, 
and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. The second half of the show that's slightly shorter than the first half of the show. This is what I'm now going to call the lightning round. That's Miranda. It's not a very lightning way of saying it. I love it. Nope. It's the opposite. So today's lightning round, we're all going to get a smidge vulnerable, but in like a fun way. So Miranda, you are so creative. And so this episode has been a great mixture of like natural, like traditional creativity, but then also just like getting creative in how we live. So we wanted to like know from all of us, like what's something that you are creating right now that you're excited about? So Miranda, as our guest, you can go first. Oh, let me think. Well, I have I have a, a few things. Um, we recently moved. And so something that I've just been kind of re-outlining for myself is our garden plan. We we renovated a house for four years and touched every inch of it. It was like so lovely, beautiful garden, great everything. And then we had one of those like flash of lightning appropriate for the lightning round moments of we, there's a a house down the block that fits our family a little bit better. So all of that happened in the last couple of months and I now have no garden and it's, it's April and I'm starting again. So I am in the process of creating a new backyard garden and I loved the raised bed plans that I did before. Um, I created this, uh, a plan where using cedar fence posts, I can build raised garden beds for under a hundred dollars each, which is like that, you know, a third of what they cost if you are using big cedar planks or having someone else build them for you. So that's, that's on my docket this month, getting my cedar beds put in, figuring out exactly what I want to plant to yield the biggest bumper crop out of my 12 square feet of backyard garden. And, uh, there, I just find so much magic in gardening that I didn't even, I didn't even know. So I'm excited about creating a new garden. Mm, Miranda, you speak, you speak into my soul right now. <laughs> Jen's just girl. over yeah, here to nodding. Jill's soul. <laughs> yeah. You speak to Jill's soul. I'm here. Soul searching. Uh, <laughs> I've got, so I'll, I'll just go next. Cause I'm already talking. Oh, and that's beautiful. Miranda. <laughs> I've got so many projects going on constantly. Like, I think I'm breaking my body. I am expecting so much of my body these days. Similarly, I do have a garden. So I I love that. And I love visiting it and continuing to chat with all my babies out there. Those plant I, babies. I was hoping thing. that you were going to say talk to it because I, I was do. like, if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say they it. They need encouragement. They do. There's real studies about that. It's a real oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And you know, I'm upset with one of my Great. plants and I'm Pretty and I'm nice. telling it so and it might not survive because <laughs> the things I've said. <laughs> Anyhow, that's not the thing I'm currently creating. Uh, similar to you as well, Miranda, we're under renovations. We have been for two years. We probably got like another 10 years ahead of us, but we do all of our own renovations. So it does feel like a really creative endeavor. And the current project right now is a lot of things, but I'll, I'll say Airbnb. We're still working on that, but we're getting close to the even more creative stages. Of course, figuring out the layout was a, a big problem solving process for us, but I'm getting to the point where I can start to pick out how do I want the tile to look and the coloring and what do we want to make the space for our guests? And that's been fun. So fun. Jen. Yes. So hopefully we are undergoing renovations by this time this episode airs, but that's not the one that I'm actually most excited about. We have been working on our virtual summit, our second annual summit. And it's such a joy to create because we get to talk to so many cool people, like doing all the interviews for it. I know a lot of summits are just like people talking over a slideshow, but we love getting to know people 
and kind of curating like we've been trying to curate four days and 20 talks where it's like you can take a course on controlling your spending and improving your spending over like a full course over four days for free. And so to me, it's been so excited to try and innovate in this like online summit space and still like and bring people together in it. So it's yeah, we're like deep into it and and we're very excited for I'm very excited for it to be to head into the world at the end of this month. Jen, awesome. you're very digitally creative. I I'm more tactile yeah. with my creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I create all the time on the internet. That's like where I find my creativity. So I feel like I cannot do, I don't have an arts and crafts hoard. That's not my thing. <laughs> but I do know people that do. Like, but if you could hoard digital like <laughs> crafts, like I would have a lot of websites. Oh my gosh. Yes. Websites, articles. Like every oh my gosh, I would be a hoarder for sure. Tabs, if you could, if, if tabs, so tabs didn't go away, I'd have a lot of tabs. I've never, so. I've never figured out the tabs, people. I, I feel like the tabs <laughs> have like maybe three at a time, and I close the browser at the end of every browsing session. Like it's ha- it's gone one hundred percent out. Mm-mm. And then oh, I have friends you. that like I don't know how you keep track though. We don't. We don't. You you, you um, you're in it a lot. This, it's the anxiety yeah. that keeps you moving. What about the history though? Can't you use your history? I sometimes like. I do still do that, huh? Sometimes you close the tab too early, and you're like, "Man, I needed that you tab still, but I have 20 <laughs> others open." Our, I'm Man, curious. So. If this is totally off subject, but if your tabs correlate to your notifications like on text or on email or anything else like do you clear the inbox and clear the text out and stuff like that or do you have that little do you have badges that tell you how many unread are happening at any given point so i have muted all of my notifications and all my badges and i just ignore the fact that i have over 2000 unread emails um can have a heart palpitation on my personal inbox <laughs> I have for my business inbox, I for sure have an assistant who like keeps us in inbox zero. But yeah, I have to- my personal email inbox is quite overwhelming. Okay. And I still have unroll me, yeah. which is like a thing that you can yeah roll up a bunch of promotional emails. I have that. And it still, still. keeps coming. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Here we Well, are. Miranda, if someone wants you to be one of their tabs... <laughs> in their life, on their tab. computer, on their phone. <laughs> Where can they get more from you? Yeah, well, I have a weekly podcast all about intentional living. Uh, it's called Live Free Creative. It comes out Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. Eastern. And the show helps people live more aligned with their values, live on purpose. So touches a little bit on frugality, but mostly on all, you know, to, to, all different aspects of living aligned with the things that matter most mm-hmm. to you. And I'm online uh, on Instagram at Live Free Miranda. Occasionally, I've found a positive correlation with the amount of time I spend off of Instagram and my my life satisfaction. So I'm I check in Amen. a couple times a week, and then my I have a book. Uh, I wrote a book about our year long challenge. I published a couple years ago. It's called More Than Enough, and that's available on my website, LiveFreeCreative.co, and on Amazon. Yeah, so those are the places. I'm mostly my favorite thing, as you all could attest to, I'm sure my favorite thing is the podcast and um, being able to have a weekly chat with people and um, show up there, talk about things that are, that are interesting. So that's my favorite place to, to create is my live for creative podcast. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Miranda, for coming on the show. And we can't wait to talk to you again one day. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Jill, what did you think of that one? I'm going to actively try not to do what I apparently do after every interview. <laughs> just, mm, that was so good. Although I yeah. guess I just did that. 
I, you, you know, these are so fun for me when we get to bring other people onto the show. And again, I think Miranda brings such a unique perspective, creativity. I really enjoy what she has to say about making sure that we are giving space and margin for our own creative endeavors, like hands-on things or mind-on things more than we consume. And this idea of consuming also being scrolling the internet is something I've not completely pieced together before. I think of consumption with throwaway things. And that's something, you know, we focused on in this podcast before too, like going more zero waste. But I love the idea of even less consumption of even digital things because it, it it's good in measure, but if it's outweighing phenomenally my own endeavors and my own creative outlets, then it's not going to be beneficial for me. So that's that's my takeaway. Yeah. And I don't consider myself a traditionally creative person. I mean, I, again, do not have like craft stuff. I did a few like crafty things growing up, but I was never really good at it. So when I hear creativity, it's it's usually, I think, reserved for artists and creative types like Miranda. But when she was talking about how we all have this desire to create, and no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be art, but we all have a desire to create. And consuming, consumption, all of that, like solving your problems with money, robs us of that. We are so used to being so efficient. And yeah, some seasons do call for efficiency over creativity. But when you take away the option of going straight to spending money to solve your problems and you just first put in this one barrier of how can I get creative to solve this problem without money and think about it, think about if it's feasible for you or for you right now if you want to try it. And if it isn't, don't. But if it is, then you've given yourself this opportunity to be creative, to create, and potentially create these memories alongside of it that you wouldn't have had you just jumped right to spending money. Well, clearly we like talking about this. But thank you all for listening. And in celebration of this free summit that's coming up June 27th to 30th, we want to share some of the comments you all made about our 2021. That was last year for those of us who are losing (laughs) track of time these days. Our 2021 (laughs) event last year, like this one from Christy M. She said about the summit, wow, just wow. You guys are so wonderful. Please keep going. I missed a lot in the chaotic week I had, but I still gained so much just being able to tune in from the email links. I have listened to every episode of Frugal Friends Podcast, yet there's still more you have to offer. Yeah, we do, Christy. Uh, And we're doing it again. We got more to offer with our 20 speakers at this free event. And it's totally separate from the podcast. It's not going to be anything you hear on the podcast. Come join us. Frugal, frugal summer camp. Yeah. Thank you so much, Christy. And we do pack a lot into four days, but the event is designed to be helpful even if you just turn on one session on in the background on your phone or laptop while you're doing dishes, or maybe you just turn into tune into like one happy hour. We do happy hours, live happy hours with you guys every night of the summit. And we talk about the day's topic. So maybe you don't even get time to listen to a a session, but you want to join us on a happy hour or even just for all the gift cards we're going to be giving away. Like, mm, yeah, it's there's free be giveaways. So fun. Yes. So fun. We just we want to see you there because our listeners got so much out of it last year and so did we. And so we're so excited to do it again. So thanks for listening. And if you want your free ticket to this year's summit, June 27th to 30th, head to frugallivingsummit.com and don't miss out on the early bird deal we've got going for that spending mastery bundle. See you guys next week. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. I'm getting so jazzed for this, Jen. Jazzed. Jazzed. 
viewing it like a summer camp. Last year when we did it, it was during the Summer Olympics, and that was fun. It was right to before theme it that so. way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Our closing ceremonies was like the opening ceremonies of the Summer Olympics. So we themed. I rewatched that. our closing ceremonies <laughs> from last year, and if you didn't attend, you don't know. <laughs> but if you did attend, you got to see my son in all of his uh, two-year-old glory. And and we had this candle that we lit as like our flame. And it turned out to be the same size as the Olympic torch in the Winter Olympics. (laughs) Same size. And so... Very unremarkable in size. Uh Uh-huh. And and so for the closing ceremonies, we just put the candle on a table and we played the music and Kai ran up and blew out the candle and he was so proud of himself. He we were all proud laughing. of him. <laughs> oh, everyone was stoked. And then Eric like taught him this dance with his fingers and and then he just was dancing at the end. I was like, this is the best thing that that my might child need has to be done. even though there's no summer olympics happening this year. We still might need to <laughs> resurrect that adorable that, video or come up yeah, with that, something else that Kai can do. <laughs> oh yeah, that we will definitely do. Hold for that. See you guys there. It's free. We love that word. Frugallivingsummit.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.